welcome to the Board of Education, where troublemakers and system breakers gather to discuss how they are dismantling inequity in public education. Calling our meeting to order is Chairman of the Board, Jonathan Santos Silva. Welcome back. This is another episode of the Board of Ed. It is one of my favorite times of the week because not only do I get to talk to you, listener, but I get to be here with uh, our producer, my amazing co-host, Doc Miller. How are you doing, Doc? Uh, I, I am doing well this week. Uh, I am feeling a little nostalgic uh, because we, we are halfway through um, our first season of the Board of Ed. Um, and in the grand tradition of the Golden Girls, uh, when, you, when you hit that midpoint of the season, you do a clip show, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing it different. We're going to do clips of stuff you haven't heard yet as opposed to a clip show of things that you've already heard. So, so um, in case you were wondering, yes, I'm a gay man. Hence the, hence the, um, <laughs> the golden girls reference. Uh, my husband is very proud of me for having made I, that comment. I am a straight man and I also love the golden girls. So that may be one that transcends, you know, it's like the, the ties that bind, you know, there's, we're more alike than we are different. Yeah. Who's your so, before we? But who who's your favorite Golden Girl? Though that's the question. I, I, I'm going to challenge this with a different question. I'll, I'll tell you my favorite. <laughs> but who do you identify with the most? So not who's your favorite. Oh. Who who are you most like, or who's I, most like you? I I would. Ooh, that's a good question. I would probably go with Dorothy. Actually. Mm -hmm. You know, just there's so many powerful moments where, like, you know, just remember Dorothy's had enough. And she gives one of her, you know, she goes on one of her runs mm -hmm. and I identify with her. Like she, you know, if you put yourself in the character, I'm sure Rose drives her nuts. I'm sure mm -hmm. her mom drives her nuts. I'm sure Blanche drives her nuts, but she loves them. It's mm -hmm. really like the nonsense out in the world that brings the worst out, you know, or not the worst, but maybe the best out of her. And I feel like that's, that's why I, I, I identify with Dorothy. Yeah, I, She's like way taller than I am. So like, it's not a physical thing. It's more, you know, it's like a spiritual thing, you know? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm stuck in that I, I, I want to identify um, as a Sophia. I'm probably a Rose, right? Like, <laughs> let, let's be honest. Uh, so, so uh, this, this is the unexpected conversation uh of, of my day and I'm loving every second. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we have a, a second podcast in this, a Golden Girls retrospective. We can go back and watch this show together. <laughs> uh, we, we would probably learn a lot uh, by, by taking a step back. But uh, let's get into the second half of our season. Yeah, More man. great board members to hear from. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, sorry to cut in. I'm just, it's like, it's been an incredible ride an incredible mm -hmm. show. Um, the support we've gotten from our listeners is amazing. Man. You know, I want to thank each and every one of you who has uh, tweeted or, or Instagrammed uh, back to better. I saw one the other day from, I think it's A-H A-L Dolan, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was um, on Instagram and there was the pictures of the kids uh, walking around outside and engaging mm -hmm. with their friend. They were doing, I think it was more of a, like a homeschool pod or something, mm -hmm. uh, but it was beautiful. And this idea of families taking more agency, taking on more agency and voice and what their kids are going to be educated. That's like what Honestly asked us to do, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Or like, you know, thinking about the way that folks are engaging with their kids and asking them how they're doing. 
Yeah. That's what Kyle was talking about. You know, it was just amazing. And, and as we look into the second half uh, of our season, um, one of the next voices we'll hear from this season is Keenan Newell. Mm. Um, and, and I think this is, this is a natural transition into, you know, w- w- why are we doing things different? Well, be- because the system is working as it was designed to, but, but not working the way it should. The thing that frustrates me is like education wasn't created um, for the people that it's failing and uh, the minority community. So in 20 years, like I want to see that disbanded, right? Like I think about all the kids that I've served in schools and that I continue to stay connected with and how much creativity is there and opportunity, but the school system has never tapped into it because they've been told to like sit in chairs, you need to be quiet, you need to answer this question, you didn't get this grade on the test, so therefore like you're inadequate, essentially. Um, And it's not taught, like they haven't been, no one's like nurtured the creativity within them. Um, One of the things that I saw here in DC since this coronavirus started is like there were some students at Sidwell that were making like headgear for um, for doctors and they were talking about their like robotics program that they're in. But I was just thinking like the amount, like the fact that that was fostered within them and the number of students that I've taught that could do that very same thing, but it's not been fostered within them. And when I think about even the conversations right now, as we think about going back to school, a conversation in affluent communities doesn't look like it does in underserved communities. In underserved communities, they're like, well, you know, what tests can we administer to see whether or not students are on track or off track? And they're not thinking about like, like let's just blow up the entire educational system. It's still very much like, let's put the educational system into this virtual learning space and then continue to um, pinpoint how like our students aren't rising to the occasion. So yeah, in like 20 years from now, I would love to see like an actual, this actual thing called equity, it's a word, but nobody actually knows what it looks like. Right. So we talk about we talk about equity, but we've never lived in a society that it was equitable. You know, and that's that's the the task before us, mm-hmm. because equity as it stands is one in a long not line of buzzwords that um, has come along and it has mm-hmm. galvanized us to have a lot of book clubs, a lot of meetings yeah. and spend thousands of dollars of professional development. Uh, but then the lived experience of. BIPOC students in school doesn't change uh, right. in any meaningful way. And yeah. so like, you know, that's the challenge is like, how do we ensure that we get beyond the buzzword and into actual transformational change that results in kids experiencing schools radically differently? Yep. Yep. Um, I, I think there's an important theme that, that we, we hear over and over and over again that that cannot be loud enough like we can't the volume nominees to be turned to 11 
to talk about it's the kids lived experience right it, it is it is how the the students experience their educational uh journey and so um jonathan tell us tell us a little bit about malika ali because she'll be joining us later in the season mm -hmm. um and i know this is something that's particularly important in her work yeah well you know i think Touching back on season, the first half of the season, Diana and David Hardy both mm -hmm. got us thinking about like, you know, if we're going to do anything, if we're going to get anything substantive done, if we're going to truly change this experience for kids, mm -hmm. there has to be uh, a look at the system. It just can't mm -hmm. be individual hero and heroine teachers doing, you know, crazy, you know, good work in a classroom. It has to ha hit the system. I think first and foremost, we move away from the factory model. You know, we stop uh, believing that all kids need the same things and um, comparing children in a way that just exacerbates, um, you know, deficit mindset and um, and really instead kind of shift to uh, thinking about children as human beings who are individual and who are different and um, who are nuanced and who have uh, ideas and perspectives that matter um, around which their learning uh, revolves. And so the kinds of learning experiences that kids are engaged in are, um, and they're not just, you know, work worksheets um you know kids are engaged in open-ended challenges they are grappling with you know these profound essential questions that are um multifaceted they uh have opportunities to um dig into kind of sink they, their teeth into like uh, units of inquiry and, and investigate, um, you know, topics that are not just interesting and relevant to them, but that are meaningful um, in the world. And, um, and there's flexibility, you know, whether it's, you know, I think there's, there will be physical flexibility. It's not just sitting in a classroom for, you know, six, eight, whatever hours a day. Um, because learning does not just happen in the classroom. Learning happens at home. Learning happens in all the spaces that students uh, are in. So, you know, whatever community spaces it is, like their learning is, uh, it, they are learners. They're not just students in a school, in a classroom during class time. You know, it's not the only time that they're thought of in that way. You know, their learning is really like, it reaches beyond the, the walls um, of, of the school um, and students know what they are being prepared for you know it doesn't mean that they know what they are going to do with their lives but they're they are critically asking questions and they are thinking about what problems they want to solve in the world and they are working on those problems now and those problems can evolve um, but we're not preparing them for uh, career 
for a job. We're not saying, well, okay, this is what the tech industry needs. So we just need to give you these skills so that you can be ready to engage in, you know, this kind of a job that is, no, we're like, we are asking them about problems. They are going to be the ones who are critical thinkers. They're going to be, you know, philosophers. They're going to be the ones to like decide what society should look like and they will build it. And if they build it, then they can determine what you know their career trajectories will look like not because this is what's available to them but because they've crafted those opportunities based on what they believe should be true isn't that what we all want though right like this idea of school responding to kids what they need you know their passion their interest what they're good at we, I want that in my work life. I want that for me. So why wouldn't I want that for my kids, your kids, or anyone else's kids? If it's good enough for McDonald's, your way right away. Right? Or is that Burger King? I don't know which one that is. Uh, but, but if it's good enough for McDonald's, it should be good enough for our kids, right? Like, exactly. Like we are a society that's become used to service a la minute, like the, the customization. I can watch what I want when I want to watch. I can do all this. That hasn't trickled down and I say down because that's the way we treat it as it trickled down into education, oh, right? So resistant to it. Yeah. Everything, everything else in our life is customized to fit our needs, except how we teach our kids. Right. You know, especially, I mean, specifically, uh, uh, low income kids and, or by absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 30 or $40,000 for independent school. Oh, you best yes. believe I'm going to get it for my kids. Yes. Absolutely. But for the vast majority of students who go to traditional public school, and I, I guess it would—it doesn't even have a racial or a class. Uh, mo- doesn't need a class modifier. Even a a, a middle-income white student who goes to the, your your run-of-the-mill mm-hmm. public school is going to get the same experience as everyone else. Yeah. There is no customization. And, and, but I do think you are absolutely right. Like our our students uh, who come from minoritized groups have even fewer choices. Um, Most definitely. Uh, as Malika points out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the next guest uh, is uh, Dr. Daryl Tonema. Uh, I know you, you and Daryl have, have go pretty far back, right? Yeah, so we've, uh, you know, I was really fortunate when I was supporting uh, schools here in South Dakota under the South Dakota Native American Achievement Schools grant. Uh, Dr. Tonema came in. Uh, he's a psychologist who lens the clinical with the indigenous Mm -hmm. and so it was really amazing to see the way he broke down you know much of what folks will uh, remember from uh, Kyle you know as far as like how your brain operates yeah but he brought in the pieces of of how uh, of how culture and language can be a part of that healing plan and so I just I remember that and I was like oh we've got to get his voice on this show so check out what Dr. Tonema said when Jonathan asked him, what are we doing in classrooms 20 years from now because of what we've learned from the pandemic? We are teaching to temperament. Um, we're, we're teaching to, to style of, uh, of the students. Um, and we're teaching with more than, we're teaching the whole student. Like, I, I love how some school districts said, have recognized that Students have trouble learning when they're in this level of distress and we want to meet them where they are. Still give them the information, give them the education, give them the things they need to know, but, but bringing them along in a different kind of way, a different model of education. Um, this is a pretty old system. 
uh, and it's been a system based on um, monoculturalism. It's so it's not necessary for all groups. It's not necessarily built for all learning types and all temperament types. It's built really for a model for one, for an audience of one. So maybe maybe this is the season where we say, wow, look at look how if there's got to be numbers out. There's got to be stats. It'd be cool if we could look at epidemiologically what what occurred and what changed and what what made that change was it a positive shift and then using that to inform how to establish new education models yeah isn't that fancy that using like real science of how people learn and grow to influence our system it sounds crazy but wouldn't that be wonderful <laughs> you know i and i'm definitely not a militant as far as the uh, it was but if you can you can look at the you can just look at society and look at history and and see that this model was for a specific group and and for specific learning style and specific temperament and if we're going to hold everybody accountable for the same test numbers um and teaching them the one way that 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 it does in fact put different people at different at disadvantage yeah. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, that, you were so spot on earlier when you when you called out the the disparity in in both experience and outcome uh, for different groups of students, right? Mm -hmm. If 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 it's built for that one group, the group it wasn't built for is at a disadvantage. That includes minoritized groups, and it and it includes. Um, uh, students who identify as BIPOC and, and, and you've used that phrase several times or that 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 um, that acronym just in case anybody doesn't know what it means do you want to you want to share with us what that means sure and you know it's kind of, it's kind of a new term for me within the last couple of years um, when I use BIPOC and I think when others use BIPOC it's you know black indigenous and other people of color mm -hmm. and the reason why the B and the I are pulled out is because of while we recognize that there are many shared experiences for folks of color in this country in terms of, you know, experiencing life as the other, you know, oppression, yep. et cetera. Uh, there are very specific legacies uh, that come with uh, the uh, black community having gone through slavery in this country and the indigenous community having experienced uh, land dispossession, genocide, mm -hmm. et cetera. And so it's not to, it's not, not, we're not creating a, a hierarchy, but really just, uh, I think, um, honoring mm -hmm. the very uh, unique experiences that those groups of people have and how much of our experiences today rest upon the work, the advocacy, the fighting of black mm -hmm. and indigenous people to yeah. reclaim their humanity in this country. I, I think it's important to talk about language, right? Like, oh, yeah. like let's, let's understand why, why we're using the language that we're using. So I appreciate you kind of detailing that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Carla Vigil is going to be a board member in the second uh, half of our season. Um, tell us a little bit about her. I know she's going to talk to us in a different vein, not, not just about kids, but about the people we train to be teachers. So this, all, this is going to get good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think one of the things would be like, yo, remember back 20 years ago when you had to take that awful test, praxis test? 
yo, can you believe you had to do that? Now you can just like go in, say you want to be a teacher and you go straight to an academy, a training institute, and you become a teacher. That's crazy. Remember all them tests and how expensive it was? So I think that would be like one thing. And um, another thing would be like, um, remember, you know, uh, in Providence, like all the schools, um, being like you know uh horrible in horrible conditions remember the the that report where there was mice around yeah i was on i could be like yeah i, I was on that that team that actually was an evaluator wow what a different time look at our schools now how beautiful they are we have so many different um local community schools and they're all clean and the kids have everything that they need no matter what like no matter what their 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 identities are they're like using the outside areas to learn i mean there's just projects all over the city um i would say it's something like that right like for me envisioning um education uh and and covid and what comes out of it is like you know, really innovative spaces for kids to work with each other, for communities to thrive and to see their kids in places that are safe, that are small enough so that they could get the attention that they need and that they could work with themselves. So I see a lot of green space. I see a lot of like, you know, technology, one-to-one -one technology, a lot of, um, uh buildings that look innovative that don't look your, like your traditional 1930 building like we have here like it's like what why does that look like a castle it's so huge right it's more like small pockets of school communities all throughout the 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 um the city the state um also uh, not being not having to take any tests right oh yeah remember 20 years ago Remember the third grade, you had to take a test three times. There were all these different tests. You know, now they're just basically making presentations online. Um, they're using all these social media platforms to show their learning. And they're not only showing their, their, their teacher, they're showing the world, you know? Um, so I guess those are some things. I don't know. I think that so many more things can happen from it um, where, you know, maybe schools are working with local businesses to start ideas and initiatives right and the kids are leading it with 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 leaders in the business community um so just more collaboration more support so that education is also not um it's not standing on its own with you know it's getting the support from the local um, community from the city, from the state. I think something else I would like to see is um, a more unified education movement revolution. Um, I feel like in education, it's, it could be very binary. Um, so I hope that out of this COVID that more leaders um, just across the country come together to advocate for just good education and knock it off with all the you know oh charters no public no this kind of school that kind of school it's like this is why we can't get anywhere um you know why we can't all advocate on the same level why we haven't in the education world movements are not successful there's no successful movement in education because everybody's so separated and bickering at each other so i hopefully and i haven't seen this that stops and people can come together and say like you know what everybody just needs a good education what you choose you choose but here's here's what we want for all our kids yeah.
it, it seems so simple, you know, here's mm-hmm. what we want for all kids. But I think the power in it is, I know that Carla, like many of our other guests, has have a wild, wildly more inclusive we in yes. mind, right? Like who gets a seat at the table is a larger group and a much more diverse group. And when they say our kids, they mean every kid. Yes. Not just the kids of those from this zip code or the ones that have two parent homes or have uh, educated parents or whatever, mm-hmm. or American born, but our kids is every kid. You know, we talked about it earlier in this episode, language matters, right? If you say we, <laughs> right, that means something. Right. Um, and so, so uh, I think that makes, a, that, that resonates deeply is when you say we, do you mean we? When you say our kids, do you really mean our kids, mm-hmm. right? Do you mean all, right? When you say the word all, I think that's, that, that is just such a, you know, let's not hide behind language. Let's, let's Correct. put it out there. Um, we, we have one more guest to preview on this, our Golden Girls themed uh, uh, episode as we, as we launch into the second half of the season. Uh, and we welcome Ron Rapitalo. Tell us uh, about your friend there, Jonathan. Well, I mean, I think riffing off that idea of who, who's included in the we, I think for far too long and far too many conversations, uh, we talk about the experience of uh, students of color and Asian students are not a part of that conversation. And part of that is due to, you know, the model minority myth and what have you, but whatever you attribute it to, Asian students need to be part of our we. We need to be thinking about all kids. And I thought we would be remiss if we didn't do our darndest to find someone who could speak to that uh, powerfully. And I don't know that we could have found someone better than uh, Ron Rapitalo. Absolutely. Um, Ron has some ideas that go into education, out of education, well above, below, inside, outside. And so when, when he's thinking about 20 years from now, his thinking isn't just in the classroom. Now, I don't know if I believe this is going to happen. I want this to happen, right? Is that, you know, the way that we tax our billionaires, you know, from 30, 40 years ago, when you look at that tax rate, we get that back to 1950s rates, right? I'm not mad if you earn money. I'm mad you ain't paying your due. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm mad at. You know, and so like, yeah, we need to redistribute wealth. We need to do that through taxes, frankly. We can't rely on just Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and, and even then, like the business of philanthropy is scary. Like as much as like the gate, I think Gates has done some good work. They've been, they've done mixed work at best in terms of education. Let's be real about that, right? Because you're not including the people that are being most affected by these decisions. Like, why don't we see that there's fucking value in having students of color and, and, and families of color involved in these conversations and driving these decisions? They should have as equal weight as someone who's a superintendent, frankly. I, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole like expertise gap, like the expertise is in all of us. You start to shift that as a value. We start to then to be able to co-create and get things that are better for all of us, right? And then I think, you know, a last point around like education is like conversations on racial equity just become necessary parts of our curriculum. Does it mean we've eradicated it? No. Does it mean that we start to reach stronger understanding and healing? because it's part of the way that we talk 
and we see the world and we understand it and people bought into it because no matter if it's from an intellectual or moral, uh, um, uh, you know, or relational or a, you know, action level, like it, people see the value in it, then yeah, right? And so I would see us celebrating all of those successes, like, wait a second, you know what? Um, much less people of color and poor people continue to stay poor 20 years ago to now. Many more have the ability to choose their life and career happiness, have mobility, incomes, starting to build wealth, right? Um, that, that's what I want to hear us talk about 20 years from now, those kinds of things, right? And for people that say, and I don't know how we get there, but I want to, you asked me to like 20 years, like I interpret that question as dream fucking big. I want to dream big. Do I think, do, do, does my, the five senses part of me think that this can happen in our lifetime? No. But does the spiritual part of me believe this happened in our lifetime? Yeah. And that right there might be the most important uh, distinction point, right? Is like when we get beyond our heads mm -hmm. and, and into our spiritual realm, right? Like we're, we're pulled to do something greater together than we could do on our own. You know, that's why I'm glad Ron uh, is with us on this half of the season. I'm, I'm glad for all of our guests that we introduced yeah. you to today. Um, and, 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 and again, want to just thank everyone who's been a part of this experience for us, right? Like our board defies uh, simple uh, categorization, you know, that you yes. can't just put them in a box. Um, you, you, I hope you notice uh, as you're listening throughout the season, the similarities or the themes that emerge, but they're coming, you know, uh, a hundred percent. Like we talked about it uh, last week with David Johns, how he brought his emotion to the table. So unfiltered, raw and real, but in a way they've all done that. They've all yep. been honest with us. They've been open with us, vulnerable at different mm -hmm. points. Um, and I think that as we make our way through the, the second half of this journey, um, we're all going to be better for them sharing their perspectives with us. Absolutely. And, and keep in mind that this episode, you were just getting the taste, right? Like nobody got the full scoop of ice cream today. We all just got the little, little taster spoon. So uh, if you want to learn more about the folks uh, who are on our board uh, for the second half of the season, or you want to go back and revisit any of our other board members from our earlier episodes, you can go to theboardofed.com. That's the B-O-R-E-D of ed.com. Uh, there you can listen to, to uh, older episodes. You can find out more about our board members. You can see a very handsome picture of Jonathan and a less than flattering picture of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm just, I'm living in the shadow. Uh, I also uh, want to call out that we're, we're on social media, visit us and join and, and like our page on Facebook, the board of ed, B O R E D. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter, the underscore board of ed. That's at the underscore B O R E D O F E D. Um, we also love to hear your feedback about the episodes. Uh, and uh, we also like, if you have questions, like you, you would love to know uh, information about, our guests, or you have a question about something someone said, let us know. We'll try to, to connect and get an answer for you. Um, and we'll just keep the conversation going there. You know, I, I try to do this each episode, you know, to encourage you and send you off in a positive way. Um, Cause the work that you do that we do together is important. These conversations that we're having are critically important. And I hope that they go beyond 
the time you listen. You know, my dream, Doc, is that there are little board of ed uh, meetings happening all over the place. Folks who are listening to the episode and linking up. Hey, what did you think about that thing Jonathan said or Doc said or that one of the uh, board members said? Here's what I think in that we are advancing this. It's not just a static uh, moment in time, but it's a growth. The, a and, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because every one of our guests are giving us actionable things that we can do. This isn't just a space to say what's wrong um, or, or to just share like, hey, this is what I was thinking. Every one of our board members is somebody who's going, these are the things that we can do now to make a difference in the lives of our colleagues, of our peers, and most importantly, of our kids. Or as uh, David Johns would say, our babies. Our babies, yes. And that's the thing, right? We're not going to sit here and admire a, a problem any longer. We're going to move forward and take action. And so with that, I think as you look at the amazing board members we've had in the first half of the season and the ones that we are preparing to introduce you to, I hope what it tell, gives you is permission to show up in the unique way that only you can. Our kids need that. Our families need that. So show up each day, uh, you know, in your the full sense of your power. Claim who you are, be who you are, and do this amazing work. Uh, because like I said before, this is the most important work we can be doing on God's Green Earth. So thank you for listening this week and always. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining the Board of Ed. Stay bored. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah.